0: brought the tissue box up tissue pack just in case but good morning church it is a joy to be with you on this last Friday I will miss your singing probably yeah all right we're gonna do this we're gonna get through this okay we're gonna get through this but seriously, the thing I'm going to miss the most is the singing of ECC. My kids were, were asking about this the other day, and man, I just love the singing of this church, the songs we do, the, the power of the voices, and of course, all the nationalities. It's such a special thing to sing together as a church and worship God together. Everyone says, you know, it's a, it's a taste of heaven at ECC, and it's true. It really is. And so I, I will miss that. But in reality, every church is a taste of heaven, is a preview of heaven, uh, and so we'll, my, my church in Texas will be singing as well, uh, hopefully just as strong and, and loud as you guys do. I'll, I'll work with them on that. So it's been a strange month, uh, a lot of things going on in our lives, a lot of people asking us how we are feeling, and the answer is everything. We are feeling everything that you could feel uh, at this time. We feel happy and excited about the future. We feel sad about leaving here. We feel a little bit anxious and afraid of, of what could happen next. Uh, and, and of course, grief and sorrow to leave here. Uh, but overall, we feel thankful. We feel thankful for all of you. Uh, it has been just such a joy to get to know you all and to serve you all as a, as a fellow sheep along with you and as one of your shepherds. It has been a delight, and uh, we will miss you. We will miss you dearly. Uh, stay in touch, all right? I'm on Facebook. I post every once in a while, and uh, we'll, uh, you can email me as well. hope we can stay in touch. You know, it's been, kind of, it's been kind of like attending my own funeral. Can you imagine attending your own funeral, like after you die, and you hear what people are saying about you and you know usually at funerals they say all the good things you did in your life all the nice things about you and that's what it has felt like for me in the last couple of weeks as you have been so encouraging to me uh sharing with me and michelle how how our family has has affected you and how god has worked through us and it's like wow it's like it's like a funeral it's like i'm dying here and the good news is I'm not dying, I'm not dead. We're, we're all dying and we're all going to die, but I'm not dead yet, we're just moving to another place. But in a way, my life in Abu Dhabi is dying and coming to an end. And it has been interesting, and it has been a good exercise for me to look back on this season and to think about my time here and to think about my, what, what, what I have left here, what impact I've made here, And I want to encourage you today to think about the same thing, because someday you're going to do exactly what I'm doing. You're going to leave Abu Dhabi, or you are going to die here, one or the other. Either you're going to die here, or you're going to leave here, or Jesus will come back before either of those. One of those things is going to happen. And the text we're going to look at today, and I hope God will encourage you to think about what your legacy will be in Abu Dhabi. I've had the privilege to examine that and hear that from you in these recent weeks. And I wanna urge you today to think about it because your day is coming. You're going to leave this place or you're going to leave this earth. So what are people going to say about you? And God's word can change your perspective and can change your direction for your time in Abu Dhabi so that you would bear much fruit. That's my hope for you, whether you're here one more month or 10 more years. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. This is in the middle of the gospel of Luke. The context here is that there are large crowds of people following Jesus. Jesus has become famous He's doing great miracles. He's doing great teaching, and people are following him. They want to see what the next big thing is from Jesus. What's he going to do next? So there are thousands of people around him following him at this time. And at the beginning of this passage, one man calls out to Jesus from the crowd with a a strange request, and it starts a great series of teaching from Jesus in these verses, So let's read Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. Luke 12, 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is God's word for us this morning. For the rest of our time, I want to show you three main commands of Jesus from this text. There are a lot of commands in this text, but I've summarized them into three main commands. And I hope and pray that this passage will change your perspective and change how you live for the rest of your time in Abu Dhabi and beyond. So the first command is do not store up treasure for yourself. Do not store up treasure for yourself. At the beginning of the passage, this man from the crowd calls out to Jesus in verse 13, and he tells Jesus to divide his inheritance with his brother, that his brother will not divide it up properly. And he wants Jesus to come in and fix this problem, this financial conflict that he and his brother are having. And Jesus gives a a funny reply in verse 14. He says, Who made me the judge and arbitrator over you? It's funny because Jesus is the judge over all things. He is judge of everything in this life, everything in this world. And yet, this is a bizarre and selfish request of this man that he wants Jesus to get involved in this little financial conflict between him and his brother. Jesus is like, who made me the judge of you and your brother. They should be able to sort this out. Jesus is doing all these huge miracles and teaching people about prayer and hypocrisy and about money. And here's this man from the crowd, this crowd of thousands of people who thinks his financial conflict with his brother is so important that he must interrupt Jesus amongst these thousands of people and say, Jesus, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And this man is like a baby whining to Jesus. And notice, he doesn't ask Jesus to help him. Jesus, would you consider helping me? Would you consider talking to my brother? No, He tells Jesus what to do. (laughs) Friends, don't tell Jesus what to do. He tells us what to do. This man is calling out from the crowd, telling Jesus what to do. It's like a child telling a parent what to do. Sometimes my kids do that to me. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm the parent. You're you're the kid. hate to break it to you, but but I get to tell you what to do. (laughs) But sometimes we go to God like that, and that's what we're seeing here. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to teach his disciples and to teach us. And in verse 15, he gives the lesson. He knows the man's heart, and he knows what needs to be said. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Be on guard against all covetousness. Do you think we need this message in one of the richest countries in the world? <laughs> Do you think there's covetousness and greed in this country and in your hearts? In this country where we can go to the mall and see some of the finest clothing in the world? Some of the finest foods you can eat. They have chocolates with gold in them here. I never tried one of those, but, but I've seen them. What is that? that that's, that's the wealth of this country. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but it can lead to the temptation of covetousness. And so we need to hear these words from Jesus. And Jesus gives this parable about a rich man who has a great harvest, a plentiful harvest. He's already rich, and then he has a great harvest on top of that. He's so rich, he doesn't know what to do with all his grain. Many of you are thinking, Pastor, I don't have that problem. You wish you had that problem. You don't know what to do with all your money. But listen, because this is going to apply to all of us, because rich and poor can struggle with covetousness and greed. So listen to what Jesus says. This rich man says in his heart... Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And he wants to build up bigger barns just to store his grain. And you notice the purpose of his building bigger barns is not so that he can help others, not so that he can serve other people in times of crisis. No, it's for himself to eat, drink, and be merry so that he can just relax for the years to come. This is a selfish motivation. We see places in the Bible where it's okay and wise to save money, okay? It's not a sin to save some money. But if you're saving money just to build up bigger numbers in your bank account, just so that you can relax and have it easy and eat and drink and be merry for the rest of your life, then there's a problem. Then there's a sin issue of covetousness and greed in your heart. So if you are able to save money, which some of you are, ask yourself, why are you saving money? What's the heart of saving your money? Is it just to build bigger barns like this selfish man to relax, eat, drink, and be merry? So that you can retire on the beach somewhere? Or is it so that you can use it to be rich toward God? That's what Jesus says in verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, And is not rich toward God. What did God call this man? Fool. Fool. This man talks to his own soul. He says, soul, you have ample goods. And God says, fool, tonight your soul is demanded of you. God says, let me tell you about your soul. It's coming tonight. Tonight's the night that you finish your time here, Mr. Rich Man. So brothers and sisters, I want to exhort you to search your hearts about covetousness and greed. Whether you are rich or poor in this country, it's a temptation. It's a temptation to fix our hearts on possessions and to want to store things up for ourselves rather than being rich toward God. If you are storing up treasure, why are you doing it? Why are you storing up the treasure that you have? What is your heart? behind that because Jesus says do not store up treasures just for yourselves do not store up treasures just so that you can relax and have an easier life than everyone else tonight could be your night and i don't want you to leave abu dhabi or leave this earth just with extra zeros in your bank account number or with a bunch of extra stuff that looks nice and you get to heaven and say to god look at all my stuff God's not going to care about your stuff. It's going to perish. We've had to sell and get rid of a lot of stuff this last month or so. And it's a good exercise to let go of your possessions and give and sell things to get rid of all of our stuff, all of our possessions. It helps us to hold loosely to the things that we have. It's good. It gives us an eternal perspective. So this first command, hear it clearly, do not store up treasure for yourself. The second command in this text, Jesus tells us to fear not, fear not. He says this in a few different ways. In verse 32, he says, fear not, little flock. In verse 22, he tells the disciples, do not be anxious. Same idea. Fear not. Do not be anxious. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will wear. This is hard. Anyone feel fear and anxiety sometimes? Yeah, we all feel that sometimes. Fear and anxiety are parts of life. Some people struggle with fear and anxiety in deep ways due to traumatic situations in their past due to physical or mental health issues. Sometimes we feel fear or anxiety because of circumstances we are facing. Hey, I feel a little bit of fear about going to pastor a new church. What if they all hate me? (laughs) What if after one year they want me to leave? Then what? We feel these fears sometimes. For all kinds of different reasons, we might feel fear or anxiety. Well, Jesus does not want us living in fear or anxiety. Now, I do not think it is a sin to feel fear or to feel anxiety. In fact, in the Psalms, there's a verse that says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So the psalmist recognizes we, we feel afraid Sometimes. We have fear and anxiety sometimes, but what do we do with our fear and anxiety? I think it is a sin to embrace our fear and anxiety, to live out of our fear and anxiety, to not trust the Lord when we feel fear or anxiety. And that's why Jesus tells us, fear not, do not be anxious. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He has a better way for us as God's children than to live out of fear and anxiety. And brothers and sisters, we have so many reasons for fear and anxiety. I am sure every single one of you has felt it in this past year. You have felt some fear and anxiety about the future, about the virus, about any number of things. What have you done with that? Jesus doesn't want us living in fear or anxiety. God has a better way for us. And the text tells us why We do not need to be anxious. Why we can fear not. There's a couple of things it tells us here. First, Jesus says in verse 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. There's bigger things going on in life than just what you eat and what you wear. There's more important things in this world than just your possessions. So why be anxious about them? God wants to lift our eyes higher, higher to bigger, more important issues, kingdom issues, higher than just the the stuff that we have. Life is more than food and clothing. So we don't need to be anxious about those things. And then a second thing we see in the text is that God provides. God promises to provide for us. And Jesus uses these examples of the ravens and the lilies. Have you seen a raven I think Jesus used the raven on purpose. I'll tell you where you will not see a raven is at the zoo. Because when people go to the zoo, they want to see the beautiful animals. They want to see birds like toucans and macaws or those million Durham falcons that we see in the UAE. You don't see ravens on display. Ravens are an ordinary bird. They are not special. In fact, many would call them unwanted. I don't think people have pet ravens. In fact, in some literature, ravens represent death. That's what they symbolize in a lot of literature, just death. And yet Jesus tells us that God provides for these birds, for the ravens. And I looked up online to see what ravens eat. What do ravens eat? The first thing that popped up was they eat dead animals and garbage. That's what ravens eat, dead animals and garbage. Not exactly a feast. And yet God provides dead animals and garbage for ravens. He provides food for these unwanted, unattractive, ordinary birds. How much more for us? Brother or sister, you may feel like a raven. You may feel like you're an unwanted person. You may feel very ordinary. You may have a a passport that is weak. You may be from a country that doesn't have any power. You may be looked down upon in this society. You maybe don't have a lot of money and possessions. You maybe have a job that does not give you a lot of respect in this world. So you may feel like a raven, God will provide for you. God promises here that he will provide for you because he cares about you much more than these silly birds. This is not the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. You know that. This is not saying God's going to give you a breakthrough tomorrow or you're going to get a job promotion tomorrow or you're going to suddenly become rich this week. That's not God's promise. But his promise is providing for you. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Not millions of Durhams, our daily bread. God promises to provide what we need. I even think about Christians who are in prison around the world, who may be starving in jails in other countries. They can also trust that God will provide for them, that God cares for them. God will provide the strength that they need. God will provide the faith that they need. God will provide the comfort that they need to face those situations. And God will provide what you need. He provides food for the ravens. Then Jesus goes on to talk about the lilies, how God clothes the lilies, these nice, pretty flowers Verse 27 says they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know about Solomon, right? When Solomon was king of Israel, it says all of his drinking vessels were made of gold. Like his cups, the cups he used were made of gold. In fact, in in 1 Kings it says silver was like nothing, in the days of Solomon, it was worthless. They were so rich, it was, it, was, it was gold. They had so much gold to use. I imagine Solomon had some robes that probably had some gold in them. I bet he was arrayed in, in splendid clothing. What does Jesus say? The lilies are more beautiful, more majestic than Solomon. And his golden robes and golden cups. And if God does that for lilies, for grass that's just thrown in the fire. How much more will he do it for you? He will provide for you. Dear child of God, he will provide for you. So fear not. Do not be anxious about what you will eat, what you will wear. It doesn't do you any good. You can't add an hour to your life. Jesus has a better way for you than living in fear and anxiety about the things of this world. Look at a few more verses. Verse 24, of how much more value are you than the birds? Verse 28, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And at the end of verse 30, he says, your father knows that you need them. Your father knows what you need. He knows the things that you need. I think this applies to you as individuals. He knows what your family needs. He knows what this church needs. Fear not, little flock of ECC. It has been a tough year. Pastor Jeremy left. I'm leaving. We've seen other beloved people in the church Go back to their home countries. We've had two difficult funerals. Fear not, little flock. God knows what this church needs. God cares about ECC far more than the ravens or the lilies. So I believe God will raise up the right people for this church. You have a faithful preacher of God's word in Pastor Aubrey who loves this church dearly. You have humble servants as elders. I believe God is going to provide wonderful associate pastors for this church and God has already provided you to serve and build up this body. Fear not, little flock. Do not be anxious. God loves ECC. He has raised up people for this church for decades and I trust he will continue to do that. You just remain faithful to his word and watch God provide. Watch the fruit come from that. So do not be anxious. And then the third command here in Luke 12. We don't want to store up treasure for ourselves. We fear not. The third command I want to show you is to seek kingdom treasure. Seek kingdom treasure. You look at verse 31. In verse 31, he says, instead. Instead of being anxious, instead of fearing Seek his kingdom. And there's a promise with that. Seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. When God's kingdom is first in your life, when you're seeking kingdom treasure, God takes care of the rest. He provides the rest. Again, not health, wealth, prosperity. It's not gonna be easy. You know this, but he provides. Everything else will be added to you. And we can have confidence about that because Jesus is our king. Jesus is the king who is promising the kingdom. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death and his kingdom is established and he's coming back to establish his kingdom fully. So you know what I want to tell you? I believe in health, wealth, and prosperity. I bet you're surprised to hear me say that. I believe in health, wealth, and prosperity when we are fully in the kingdom. When Jesus returns and we are entered into the kingdom of heaven fully in his presence, there's going to be full health, full wealth, full prosperity for all of us. The prosperity gospel gets the timing wrong. They say it's now while we're in this life. And that's a distortion that devastates so many people. But, brothers and sisters, let's not lose hope that when the kingdom comes fully, it's all gonna be great. There's gonna be no more sickness, there's gonna be no more poverty. It will be health, wealth, and prosperity for God's children. And so, today, we can seek kingdom treasure while we wait for the kingdom to come. That's why we can fear not. If you look at verse 32 again, it says, Fear not, little flock. Why? For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Father delights in giving you the kingdom. He enjoys it. He wants to lavish his grace and love, his His kingdom upon us. He wants to do this. It's his good pleasure. Like a father wants to give good gifts to their children. Our Heavenly Father wants to lavish His kingdom upon us. So why would we be afraid? Why would we be anxious with this kind of promise on us? Why would we be anxious about the possessions of this life when we have full possessions of everything coming? And ultimately, God Himself When we get to heaven, I don't think we're going to be focusing on the gold and silver. We're going to be praising God, our greatest treasure. God is our kingdom treasure. Relationship with Jesus is our kingdom treasure. And that's why today, while we wait for Jesus to come, our greatest treasure that we can seek is knowing God. Getting to know God more. Building our relationship with Jesus. Praying, being in his word. This is our greatest treasure today. This is what our priority should be today. And then Jesus tells us a little more of what seeking kingdom treasure looks like here. Verse 33, he says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Kingdom living now is giving. Giving. This is a call to kingdom generosity. And you don't have to be rich to be generous. You can be generous with your money. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your talents. This is what has been such a joy at ECC is seeing so many of you generous toward this church, being rich toward God and serving this church so faithfully. I could could give a hundred examples, but I don't have time. But so many of you have built up this body in such powerful ways, giving generously and building up kingdom treasure for yourselves. God sees your service. And I don't think you have to go sell all of your possessions today. Though, honestly, maybe some of you should think about selling some possessions and giving to the needy. Let's not water down this verse. Maybe some of you need to go home today and think about, I don't need this thing. I could sell this. And give money to the needy. Or not buy the next fancy thing that comes out. Maybe you don't need the newest updated version of everything. So let's take this seriously. I don't think we have to sell everything we have. Because Jesus is actually taking us to the heart. And in verse 34, he says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure shows your heart. What do you treasure, brothers and sisters? Are you seeking kingdom treasure or just storing things up for yourselves while you live here in Abu Dhabi? I think one important kingdom treasure that we need to seek in this city is sharing the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Christ. We've got thousands and thousands of people don't know Jesus in this city and all around the world. We've got men and women in this city who need Jesus desperately. And I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, my biggest regret of this time in Abu Dhabi is the people I did not share the gospel with. As I leave here, my biggest regret is not that I didn't do some desert safari or didn't try every restaurant in town. It's people that I didn't share the gospel with. I can think of people that I did not have the courage to share Jesus with. And I have to leave here and think about that. And hopefully that will spur me on in the next place to be more courageous in evangelism. Brothers and sisters, I want you to seek kingdom treasure here and I want you to be able to leave this place and think about the good fruit The kingdom treasure that you saw here in Abu Dhabi. And I've gotten to see some. I've gotten to see some people come to Christ. We've seen some amazing fruit here in ECC. I've heard your encouragement these last few weeks, and what a joy it has been. I'm thankful for my Abu Dhabi funeral of getting to hear God's work. But I'll tell you, I'm leaving with regrets. I wish I had shared the gospel with more people. So, brothers and sisters, Seek the kingdom treasure of sharing the gospel with people to bring them in so that they can join us in the kingdom, that we can see souls saved. Take some heavenly treasure home with you when you leave Abu Dhabi and when you leave this earth. Brothers and sisters, let me close with this. We have a God who is holy and perfect. He created you. He created the whole universe. He is a glorious and holy God. And he loves us. And we have all sinned. We have sinned out of fear. We have sinned out of anxiety and pride and greed and on and on and on. Every single person on this earth has fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and we deserve the judgment of God. If you're new today, if you're tuning in online, you deserve God's judgment for your sin. You have not worshiped God the way you should. You have sinned against him. But God, in his great mercy, sent Jesus Christ, the one who taught these things in our sermon. He sent Jesus to come. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life He's the one who did not sin. And what happened to him? They took him to a cross. And on that cross, Jesus died the death that we deserve. He stood in our place. He paid the punishment that we deserve as sinners. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to conquer death forever. And the Bible says if you repent of your sins, you turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, he will forgive your sins. And all these promises that we've talked about today will be true for you. You can start living a kingdom life seeking kingdom treasure now, free of anxiety and fear because of what Jesus did for us. That's the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. And if you don't believe that, I pray that you would believe it today, that you would give it serious consideration and prayer, and that God would work in your heart and you would believe it. And brothers and sisters, this gospel is our foundation. It's the center of all that we do. May the love of Jesus shown on the cross and the power of Jesus shown in his resurrection be what empowers you to seek kingdom treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this dear church. Help ECC to fear not. Help ECC to not be anxious. Help them to gain great kingdom treasure. We pray that souls would be saved. We pray that more would come into the kingdom in this city. We pray that your people here would be found faithful. That when they leave here, when they leave this earth, there would be great glory to you for the work you've done in them and through them. Bless ECC, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.